Hey, everybody. So I wanted to tell you about something that I think is pretty special. My daughter Tessa and I have birthdays nine days apart. She is about to turn nine on November 30th, and I'm going to turn 44. Here's me telling everybody my age on December 9th. This year, Tessa told me that she wanted to donate her birthday to an organization that's special to both of us, and it's something that I do every single year. I'm so honored that my little bug knows how important it is to give and how much we receive when we do so. It won't come as a surprise to any of you who listen on a regular basis that I am charity driven and we are donating our birthday to the Birthday Party Project. It's an organization that is very near and dear to my heart. The Birthday Party Project focuses on bringing joy to children living in homeless shelters and transitional living facilities. They host monthly birthday parties at these facilities all across the country. And every child should be celebrated. That's what the Birthday Party Project does. They also bring so much joy and love to people who aren't celebrating their birthdays. Lots of these folks don't get a chance to go to birthday parties and to celebrate. It's really just a very special organization. And we all know that joy changes lives and giving is good. So here's my shameless plug. If you would like to support my daughter who is turning nine, and me with our birthday fundraiser. You can check out the link in the show notes, but also it's share.thebirthdaypartyproject.org slash fundraiser slash Tessa. Would love to have you help us reach our very lofty goal of $1,000 raised for this awesome organization. Thanks so much. And here's the show. Empathy, brave, authentic, you are listening to The Brave Files, real stories from people living courageously. You can listen to the show anywhere you enjoy podcasts, and we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference, and we appreciate it. Now, here's your host, Heather Vickery. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. This is Heather Vickery. Welcome to The Brave Files podcast. So today's guest is a a man named Tom Mitchell. And I first learned about Tom from a really great blog called Love What Matters. If you don't know it, find the links in the show note and go and check it out. The blog never ceases to bring me to tears or put a pretty smile on my face. Um, In this piece, Tom shares the devastating story of his daughter's battle with cancer. But the story focuses mostly on their ability to be brave in an unfathomable situation. Clearly, the brave topic connected with me right away before I even realized what I was reading. Uh, And then it sort of took my breath away. I have learned since I invited Tom to be on the show that he has done some really incredible work for children and their families fighting childhood cancer with his organization called stillbrave.org. And I'm really, really honored. Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, all right. Your story is, I'm literally shaking talking to you because it's my worst, it's my worst nightmare. Um, It's so powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter, Shayla, and this journey that you went on together? Well, sure. I'll give you the the sort of the condensed version of the story that um, Love What Matters uh, posted on their site. So my daughter, Shayla, called me one day and she said she wasn't feeling good. Thought maybe she had a sinus infection. So I said, sure, I'll pick you up after school. We'll go to the doctor's, um, maybe grab some dinner afterwards. Uh, well, it turns out that her sinus infection was, was a little bit more than that. She actually... Um, 
had a huge cancerous tumor inside her chest that was taking up two thirds of, of the room and had caused one of her lungs to collapse. Oh my goodness. So we didn't know at the time what was going on, but we found out rather rapidly that we we're kind of in a really tough, serious situation. Um, you know, what we thought was, <laughs> was the size infection wound up being something uh, much more serious. Uh, so we were immediately rushed to the emergency room and we began a long, arduous journey throughout childhood cancer treatment protocols, chemotherapies, radiations. Um, there were a great deal of complications. You know, I heard you say that it's your worst fear. I think it's, it's every parent's worst fear. But one of the most interesting things that I've discovered that I can talk about this far removed from it is while it, it was one of my biggest fears, and I think it still frightens me that it could happen to another one of my children, but the, the reality for me was that it didn't look like I thought it would, and it didn't feel like I thought it would. It wound up being something much different, which was, was a big um, epiphany. I don't know if epiphany is the right word, but it was a big shock to me because I, it was nothing like I could have imagined. It wasn't, uh, it's hard to explain. It's hard to really put it into words, but it wasn't as frightening as I thought it was going to be. Interesting. What do you attribute that to? Was it, my instinct is that because that parent gene kicks in and you say, well, I have to stay strong. I have to stay brave. I have to protect my child. I just have to do this thing. What made it not as frightening? What, what happened was because of the situation, because of the intensity and the gravity and the seriousness of the situation, what it did for both me and my daughter is it stripped away all the things that we did not need. Yeah. The greed, selfishness, you know, the, the self-serving, self-righteous, all the, all the character defects that humans possess that we just don't really need. It stripped that away from us and it took us down to our most raw, authentic selves. And she and I, because I was a single dad and we were mostly alone through this, she and I were put in a position where um, we, were, we were experiencing life on life's terms at life's most cruelest. Yeah. Um, but we had each other and there was, there was, some, there was beauty there. Yeah. And it's hard to explain, but there was beauty there because we got rid of everything that we didn't need. As yeah. human beings, we didn't need all of that stuff. And all of a sudden we were in this place where, you know, as, as it, it, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It was the worst experience of no, my no, life. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. But there was, we, I was able to see beauty even when it wasn't pretty. I think it's, I love it's, that. No, I love that. And, and one can assume that Shayla did as well. She had, you are so strong. The story that you share how how did you talk with Shayla about being brave through this? And and my because this is the Brave Files podcast, and this is probably the one episode where that's actually a word we're using a lot. Typically, we talk about bravery in a way that people don't realize they're necessarily being brave. But this was a big part of your journey with Shayla. Oh, for um, sure, and it definitely wasn't. It was interesting too because I learned a lot about about the word brave and what bravery was. And the story that I, that I relayed to, um, to Love What Matters, when, when we went to the hospital that night and the doctors told me the situation, you know, they said to me, do you want to tell her that she has cancer or do you want us to tell her? Well, naturally, well, maybe not naturally, but <laughs> I said, no, I, I want to be the, yeah. the one to tell her. I think it's 
it's my responsibility to tell her this, but I wasn't sure how to have that conversation with her. So I wound up, I walked out of the hospital and, and, and I wanted to just catch my breath and I went for a walk and I found myself at a mall, a shopping mall around the corner from the hospital. And I was just, you know, aimlessly walking around thinking about a variety of different things and, and how I might approach this conversation. And, and, uh, and I stumbled into a, um, a Native American art store, a uh, jewelry store. And they had a lot of arts and crafts and stuff that Native American Indians had made. And I purchased two sterling silver feather bracelets. One was a, a small feminine version of a feather. And, and the other one was a much larger sort of male version um, mm-hmm. that, I, that I, I selected for myself. And so I, I started thinking about the word brave. And, and I, you know, I knew that understanding of what that word meant actually at the time, but I, I thought it was important to convey to her the importance of being brave. I thought mm-hmm. that if, if we could be brave, we could get through this. And, and what did that brave mean though? So at the time that, you know, the brave meant to me it, at that time, and, and, my, and my definition has evolved quite a bit and it, it means something vastly different to me today. But at that time, it meant being strong and not yeah. being afraid, mm. you know, facing your demons with, or I guess facing your demons with courage and valor and, you know, and, and strength and determination. I think it, it meant something like that to me at the time. That's a, sort of the definition that, that, that I had always believed it to, to right. be. I found out later that I was, I was very, very wrong about yeah. that. But, but I went into the hospital with those bracelets and, um, and I talked to her about feathers and being blown together like feathers in the wind. And we talked about a lot of things and then eventually let its, the conversation lent itself to cancer and being brave. And so I promised her, you know, I told her that she had cancer. We had that conversation. I promised her that as long as she stayed brave, so would I. And I promised her as well that um, I would wear that bracelet until she was cancer free. And the third promise I made her was that I would stay with her every night in the hospital, that she had to stay, I would stay inpatient with her. And so in spite of the, the way things turned out, I have kept all of those promises to this day. I still wear that bracelet. Yeah. You know, uh, she never became cancer free, but I promised her that I would wear it until she did. And so, you so don't I, take I it keep off. my, yeah. I don't take it off. I keep my promises. And you know, I stayed brave and, and I'm still brave because, because of her. And, and I did stay every night in the hospital with her. It was hundreds and hundreds of nights that we wound up staying in the hospital. You know, I kept those three promises to her. But as, as time went on, you know, I, I discovered that brave was a, was a little different. I, I heard this quote one time, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember who to attribute it to, but the quote said, can a man still be brave when he is afraid? And then he says, that's the only time he can be brave. Yeah. And so it dawned on me, you know, that, that I wasn't strong and I wasn't full of valor and, and, and hero, all that stuff. It wasn't that. I was just afraid and I was scared and I needed to do the right thing to take care of my daughter in that situation. And so the word took on a different meaning for me. And then if you've read the story, you, you'll hear you know, I can tell you now how still brave the name of my foundation came to be and how I I got a whole new interpretation of of what that word meant. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I, you have other children. I do. How was that right? Balancing being this full-time caregiver for Shayla staying in the hospital and your other children must have been frightened as well. And what was that process like? So that was one of the most heart-wrenching experiences 
of my life because what would happen is so when Shayla was diagnosed, um, my other children lived with my my ex wife. Shayla came to live with me. We stayed in, a, in an apartment together, but Shayla was always what's called neutropenic. Like she was always immunocompromised. Mm. So my children were young, so my children couldn't really come over much uh, unless Shayla was, you know, doing really well with her, with her blood counts and her levels because um, they could make her sick. And, and if she got sick, she'd have to immediately be rushed to the hospital. She could, she could die because she had no way to fight off. Her right. immune system was so compromised. She had no way to fight off sometimes even a simple cold without having to be hospitalized. So it became a very difficult time in my life because I was separated from my other children a great deal of the time and they were separated from us. You know, several of them, um, several, it's not like I have 50 kids, but um, (laughs) (laughs) there were uh, three of them were very, very young at the time. Um, So they have a a very, they don't really have much of a, a remembrance or understanding and it was a little easier for them. My two older children really struggled with it and, and, and really had a tough time with being separated from like that, from us like that. My five-year-old at the time had a conversation with me and, uh, and it broke my heart. And she says, um, and I don't understand really what her thinking was, but she said, I know why you love Shayla more than me. And I Aww. said, but, but, but I don't love Shayla more than you. Why do you, why do you think that? She goes, well, you take care of her and she lives with you and she must be your real daughter. And Ouch. I know. So it broke my heart. But one of the things that my foundation, when I started Still Brave Childhood Cancer Foundation, one of the things that I was very animate about is that we were going to have what, we, and we do have it, it's called an all-star sibling program. And that. what we do is we put on events and activities and we celebrate the brothers and sisters of children with cancer whose lives are almost always overshadowed by their siblings' diagnoses. So the the answer to your question is it was a very, very difficult, heart-wrenching time, but I learned so much that I was able to transfer that, you know, into the work that I do today in a very positive way. And so again, I see beauty in something that didn't start out very pretty. I was able to, to source some some beauty from that and to apply that. Um, I can tell you uh, on a, on another note, though my oldest now oldest daughter Shannon is a, a third year nursing student at wow. uh, University of Mary Washington. She intends to be a pediatric oncology nurse. Oh, um, she's crushing it. She's got a three point eight grade point average. She's so compassionate and so empathetic and wonderful person. She speaks at events and rallies. And she's been to Capitol Hill and I mean she spoke at the White House. She's just like. She is so plugged in um, as a, d- a direct result. She came out of it in a very, uh, in a very positive, um, driven, purposeful way, the same way that I did. One of my other children, not so much. Like she was, she was close, very, very close to Shayla, and and Shayla's death hit her hard. Yeah. And you know, we had to we had to look into some grief therapy for her some grief camps and today she doesn't want anything to do with childhood cancer. She doesn't show up for any of the events and that's just how the, and I don't process for sure. And I don't begrudge her that at all different for everybody. And, uh, and, and it's different for parents. You know, there are many parents who lose children with cancer and they go on to start foundations or they become very involved in advocacy or activism. And there are other parents who just want to forget about it all and don't want to see it again, you know, whether regardless of the outcome, whether the child not right Uh, everybody takes sort of a different approach and i don't begrudge anybody how they do how they grieve or how they process and and handle but it is all very vastly different but i learned a lot i guess the point i'm trying to make yeah i learned a lot 
And then we were able to apply that to the programs that we run today. And, and we do some really cool stuff for the, for the siblings. And what's funny is we, we make it so, you know, this is not an event for children with cancer. This is an event for brothers and sisters. But inevitably, almost always, the brothers and sisters will invite their, their, yeah. their sibling. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. To I see. love that. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about, first of all, how long ago did you lose, Shayla? So Shayla passed away in 2009. Uh, it's hard as it is to believe uh, this January is going to mark 10 years. Wow. And, uh, you know, I just, it, it's, it seems like just yesterday um, a lot of the times, but it does seem like a thousand lifetimes ago as well. It's a very strange place to be. Um, I can't you know, I, I can't, the days go really slow, but you've probably heard this saying. But the, the years go, go fast. The years go so fast, you know, just so fast. Yeah. So uh, yeah, January 28th will be 10 years. So what transpired for you from losing her to starting stillbrave.org? What was okay. that about? Yeah. Okay. So the, the story is, 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 is kind of an interesting one. So I'm a, a very proud man. I've always owned my own businesses. I've always worked uh, for myself. I've, you know, I've, 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 earned a great deal of money, you know, throughout my lifetime. But when Sheila got sick, I was unable to work. I couldn't, I was a single dad and her care required 24 hour mm-hmm. attention. So I was unable to work. So there were times where I didn't have gas money to get her to her life-saving chemotherapy appointments. We were getting food from a food bank. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent. I didn't know how I was going to pay my electric bill. I had no idea how I was going to do things. I was I was devastated by what was happening. And back then, there weren't a lot of foundations out there offering assistance. Right. There are much, many more today than there were mm-hmm. back then. Uh, but there was one foundation, <clears throat> excuse me, that helped me out, and they were called Growing Hope. And they were an amazing foundation run by this amazing woman. And they helped us. I think they gave us $1,600, and they helped us pay rent one month and we were able to apply some of that money, get some gas cards, things like that. But I felt so bad about taking their money and I felt so guilty about needing charity and needing help that I wanted to devise a way to pay them back. So when I was a kid, I used to be a boxer. I used to go to local boys and girls club and, you know, I could throw a straight punch. So I, I went, <laughs> I went back to, um, to boxing during Shayla's, um, treatment as just therapy for me. I would go in and I'd, punch the bag and work out for an hour and go home and yeah. take care of her. Well, I met a professional boxer through my, through my gym and uh, he wound up coming to visit Shayla in the hospital, a very famous boxer named Jimmy Lang. He was on the show, The Contender with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, cool. Yeah, just, a, just a great guy. One thing led to another. And next thing you know, we're having a conversation about, about me becoming a professional boxer, fighting on his card in front of 10,000 people. And I said, I said, okay, I'll do it, but only if we can raise money so I can pay Growing Hope back for the money that, that, that they lent me, that they That's gave really me. That's really cool. So okay. I wound up, it's a long story. Well, it's really not a long story. I got knocked out in the second round, <laughs> <laughs> but I raised almost $20,000. Wow. And I paid back Growing Hope, uh, the, the $1,600 plus interest. I mean, I've gotten my ass whipped for free before, so twenty grand. <laughs> Pretty good deal. <laughs> so, so at at that fight, Shayla walked me to the ring. Oh wow! And uh, and it was a big deal. We were on the news, and and here in the D.C. area, it was a pretty big story. And then a couple of months later, Shayla Shayla lost her battle. And uh, and it was shortly after then that I, after a, a, a grieving period, I, I decided that I wanted to 
dedicated the rest of my life to helping children with cancer and their families. I had made her several promises and so we had some very candid, she was older, she was 16. So we had several very candid conversations about my, what my life might look like after, after she died. Once we were home on hospice, then we sort of knew where we were going. And she made me promise that I would help other families that were in similar situations. And we had, wow. we had this joke. I mean, so this will give you an idea of the type of kid she was, but she's like, <laughs> If you don't, I'm totally going to haunt you. I love that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, but no haunting at night because that'll scare me too much. Like, <laughs> we just daytime haunting. But fortunately, I, she hasn't haunted me. Uh, so I guess I'm doing okay. Um, but we wow. started the foundation. Initially, we were just going to um, my idea. I had a full-time job at the time. And, you know, I mean, I, I never thought that it would take off. I, I, I had no idea. So my, my initial idea was just to raise a little bit of money here and there so that I could offer gas cards and grocery cards to families who were struggling. But uh, one of the most amazing things happened is that I found out through my visits of dropping off these gas cards and these, and these grocery cards that I have, I don't want to call it a gift because I don't like that word, but I have a, a knack with kids. Kids just dig me. And I don't know <laughs> why that is. I mean, if, if you looked at me, you probably could tell I'm covered in tattoos. I was going to say you're known as Tattoo Tom, right? Right. They call yeah. me Tattoo Tom. I'm covered in tattoos from head to toe. I definitely don't look like your average childhood cancer advocate. I look like a punk rocker or a biker or something like that. But I, but I have a rapport with kids that's uncanny. And I stumbled on it by accident. I've always gotten along well with children. but And you have, just, you have had six children, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so I was like doing yeah. the math in my head. I'm like, so, yeah, that's so, so, I mean, at least I'm tolerant of, of kids. <laughs> but what I discovered was I would go in and, um, and you know, I, and 10 years down the road, I'm able to sort of connect the dots and, I, and I'm able to look at some of the reasons why it, it is. But I was able to go into these hospital rooms and, 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 I, and it happened by, you know, by sheer serendipity or happenstance. But I would leave and I'd get an email or a text from the mom or the dad and they were like, Tom, we don't, we don't know how to thank you. You know, Jimmy was inconsolable for, for days and you showed up and he's smiling and he's laughing. What did you do? How did you do it? And I was like, well, but I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I did. And I still don't know. But you know what I do is I show up and I wing it. And I keep showing up and I keep winging it. And, and it seems to work. And kids really like me. And I've built these amazing, wonderful relationships with these kids at a time where a lot of people, particularly even family members are pushing away from it because they're so afraid of, yeah. of outcomes. You know, I run into it, into, I, I call it the trenches. I run into the trenches, you know, uh, full speed. And, and I treat these kids the same way that I would treat you. I speak to them the same way and, yeah. and in a very authentic and real way. And so it turns out because of that sort of knack that I have with the kids, my reputation started building and I was getting invited to spend more and more time with the families and, and I was offering the benefit of my experience in a, in a very, again, real and authentic way. I, you know, I don't water anything down. I'm very, I, I, I wasn't built for subtle. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's, but, but I parents, can appreciate that. And parents with, uh, with children with cancer can appreciate that too. Yeah. Um, you know, and so we, we started doing really well and we started getting a lot of corporate interest. We put on, I mean, I put on some really ridiculous fundraisers. I run, 200 mile ultra marathons up volcanoes to raise money. Yeah. um, Do you throw any parties? I'll come to DC for a party, but I'm not running up a mountain. (laughs) So we have a party December 8th. Um, We put on a a rock concert. We call it Rock and Renegade. And we put it on every year. This will be our fifth one. And I sing in a punk rock band and we we bring uh, 
you know, other musicians in. We have a silent auction, but we do have a great party, and it's a fun opportunity. We have uh, cosplay characters that show up, Deadpool's the Master of Ceremonies this oh year. Oh, my God, that's awesome. But it's a great opportunity for families who, you know, who just want to come out. Not everybody is is built for golf tournaments and galas. Some people want to take a shot at tequila and shake their ass. Yeah. We make that happen Amen. for them. You know, some parents <laughs> want to come out and cut loose, and, uh, and we make that happen for them. So, again, we do things. We call ourselves renegades. Um, Still Brave Renegades. That's been our shtick from the from the beginning because there's a song by a band called Rage Against the Machine. And one of the lines of the songs is, renegades are people with their own philosophies. We change the course of history, everyday people like you and me. And so we've dubbed ourselves renegades and we do things different than other people. Um, we raise money differently. I'm a uh, skydiver and I'm about to put a big skydiving fundraiser together that we're hoping will take off on a national level. So I was trying to think outside of the box so and, cool. and attach ourselves to a different way of, of approaching advocacy and activism so that we can hopefully attract a different demographic of people that, that sometimes are falling through the, I mean, people come out and, and see my punk rock shows and, and, and come out and support us, these ridiculous races, these boxing matches. And, and they're, they're beautiful people who want to support and they want to help. And, uh, and we provide that opportunity for them in, in, in ways that they can get down with, you know? That's so, it's, so cool. So it's been cool. So I have a question though. So you're, your organization and you, you, you do, you do the fundraising, you help with the gas cards, you make sure they can pay the bills and things like that. And then also you're going in and you're sitting with these kids and you're shooting straight with them. Uh, in fact, we had this interview scheduled a couple of weeks ago and you messaged me and said, one of your still brave kids needed you to be in the hospital with him. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, I mean, I, I'll just be frank. I'm not hold kids hands when they die. I get very plugged in with the families. I have dinner at their house. Uh, you know, years later, I, I, I'm still having dinner with families who have lost children. I get very plugged in. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who shows up, and um, and uh, I, I don't have a girlfriend. And the reason I don't have a girlfriend, <laughs> let me tell you why. The reason I don't have a girlfriend is because I, I, I will drop everything. Yeah. I, I get a call. You know, the, the the child you're talking about it was a girl, and she was in oh, the intensive care unit, and um, and, and they family wanted me to show up there. They wanted to have a conversation with me and I dropped everything. And I've yeah. done that in the past when I've dated girls, I, 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 I've got to go. And, sure. and that's just how I do it. I, you know, I, I, I made a decision, like I said, to dedicate my entire life to helping children with cancer and their family. I didn't realize at the time how big that word is entire, Yeah. but I'm a man of my word. And when I, when I, when I made that commitment, I, I live up to it. So I will drop everything to spend time with these children. If they call me, I, you know, I, I've gone on searches. If they call me, I had a girl call me one time. She's in the hospital and she hadn't really eaten in days and they were worried and they were going to have to put a feeding tube in. And all of a sudden, for some reason, she was craving crab legs and crawfish. Yeah, so girl. <laughs> in the middle of winter, you know, I've got, I've got to go out and try to find crawfish and crab legs. So I went on this crazy mission. It took me several hours, but eventually I found it and I showed up with the crab legs and the I crawfish. I love that. And she ate it and, and she felt better. And, uh, and so, yeah, and I do stuff like that all the time. We you know we do room makeovers for the kids. You know, I will just, I'll do anything that they ask me to do without any questions. I, I'd buy them a pony. I keep threatening to buy one of them a pony. <laughs> But I haven't found a parent willing to let me do that. Buy the pony. So this is amazing and beautiful and intense. How do you care for yourself when 
so much of your energy is for others. And I, I, what I'm hearing you say is that that's how you want it, that that gives you life. And I totally respect that. But at some point as a human being, it, it gets really hard. How, how do you take care of Tom? Okay. So I, you know, for me, and you, and you sort of touched on it, but you're right as well. I mean, for me, my therapy, my self-care, my my purpose, my conviction is by helping these kids, right? So I get so much from it that sustains me, that motivates me, that 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 carries me. But you're absolutely right. It gets heavy. And sometimes it gets really heavy. And mm-hmm. I went through a period, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I went through a period a couple of years ago where it got really heavy. I had lost a bunch of kids in a row. I was going through a, the end of a, a personal relationship. I was having some financial troubles. My oldest daughter, Shannon, had been in a car wreck. It scared me quite a bit. So yeah. things got really, really heavy. So I do, to the best of my ability, I'm, I'm very, I'm not afraid to speak to people if I need to reach out for outside help, if I need to talk Good. to somebody about what yeah. I'm doing. I'm not too proud or too macho to do that. I do try to take care of myself physically. Um, I work out. I, like I said, I run 200 mile ultra marathons. <laughs> but clearly I run a lot. Yeah. You know, I run a lot. Um, one of, I mean, I skydive, but the most, probably the most satisfying, fulfilling thing for me is I I go out and I see a lot of live music. There's something for me. Love that. There's something about going out and I go by myself most of the time and just immersing, dropping myself in the middle of a crowd of, of, of people who are getting down to live music and I just forget about life for a while. And I just, there, there's something about music that, and I don't know how to explain it, but it it really, really takes me outside of myself long enough to catch my breath, and I feel rejuvenated and invigorated by spending. So I go to a lot of concerts for that reason. What's your favorite live band to go see? Okay, so it's a very relative question. I just saw Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds a couple yeah. nights ago. One of the most amazing concerts I've ever seen. Um, but I like the Grateful Dead. I'll also be known to go see Slayer or some punk rock. Like my <laughs> musical taste is very eclectic. Yeah. I like something that moves me, something yeah. that gets inside of me and moves me and, and forces me to shake my butt and move my feet without me even consciously thinking about it. Being and a aware. Lot, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of different music can do that for me. Um, I do, you know, I do have my favorites. I, you know, I like to go see different configurations of the Grateful Dead. Um, I like um, JJ Gray. I like uh, this band called Lucero. Um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, one of the most amazing concerts I've, I've ever been to. Um, and so I, just, I saw Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, I'll go see him. Yeah, I, lo- I love live music. I've yeah. probably not been to as many uh, live concerts as you have, but I've been to a, a lot of them, many, 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 and my musical tastes are wide and vast from a you know folk group called the Weepies to U2 to hair bands to Bruno Mars. doesn't matter. Yeah, I love- I'm, the same way. I, I'm a song guy. Like I like songs. And if a song speaks to me, whether it's the melody, whether it's the harmony, whether it's the lyrics, whether it's the, the beat, if, if it speaks to me, then I'll like it. And I, I'm not married to any one genre and and i don't like everything by everybody right, yeah you know but what, what i like i like and I'm, I'm, i I like what i like and it's kind of like art i mean it is art you know i like what i like it is art yeah. yeah tom if you could tell shayla anything what would you say <sighs> well you know it's interesting i went to a um a grief retreat 
uh, a couple of years ago. And it, it was, I went, I, I, I was hesitant to go and I went thinking that I was going to be able to help all these other families mm-hmm. that had just recently lost their kids. But there was a guy that was facilitating a workshop and he asked me to do, asked all of us that were, were attending the workshop to, to do an exercise. And he goes, I want you to write a letter and ask your, your deceased child questions. And what was really fascinating to me is, is the questions I asked were, are you proud of me? You know, have I, have I done what you, what it's you okay, wanted me to, me, <laughs> what, you, what you wanted me to do, you know, have I made, have I, have I made your life worth it? You know, and I, I asked a variety of questions like that and I, and I, and then we passed it up to the front and then, you know what he did? He, he, he walloped me. He said, now I want you to write a letter that's your daughter answering you back. Wow. Right. And so, <laughs> so the answers that, uh, that I wrote back, cause my daughter was snarky. And so <laughs> when, when I, you know, when I asked the question, are you proud of me? She's like, dude, what are you stupid? What do you yeah. think? You know, you've turned your whole life around. Like, you, you know, all you do like from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night is, is try to find ways to help children with cancer and their families. Of course I'm proud. So it was really interesting. So you know, the only thing that, I mean, if I could, if I could, if she were to appear, she would come haunt me. Right now, right? <laughs> at yeah. night and scare the yeah. shit out of you. Not right. at night. <laughs> <laughs> she promised not at night. Okay. Yeah. We got to have understanding, man. I'm sensitive. <laughs> I'll lose my mind. Uh, you know, I would just ask her, I'd be like, are you proud of me? You know, have I done right by your life? And if they, and, and I, I would like to believe that answer is yes. Yeah. And, I'm pretty uh, sure it is. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is like, I've done a lot. Uh, my foundation has done a lot of really good things, and we've touched a lot of lives. Probably I could point out 40, 50 amazing things, like right off the top of my head. But if I had only successfully done one of those things, my life would have been a success. You know what yeah. I mean? And I believe that with every with every ounce of my being. Like it's just it's just amazing. Me the, too. The, the stuff that I get to be a part. I'm just glad to let me be a part of it. You know. How can I help with stillbrave.org? How can my listeners be part of your organization and support you? Okay. So, well, I mean, the obvious reason we always need financial support. Sure. You know, a lot of, a lot of what we do, we don't, we don't dedicate or donate any money to research. We're not that type of a foundation. All of our money is day to day in the yeah. trenches type stuff. Yeah. We help with gas cards, grocery cards, car repairs, rent utilities. And sadly we help to pay for way too many funerals, but I'll also do crazy stuff too. Like I'll do whatever. I had a family, little boy, not a little boy. He's, he's 18 now. Um, he has a very poor prognosis, but he has a girlfriend and, uh, you know, he's running out of treatment options, but his girlfriend, they, they got, they wanted to get married. And, uh, and she said, <laughs> I'm going to marry him. I don't care. And I, but they couldn't really afford a wedding and she was going to have to get fake flowers for her and her bridesmaid. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. So I went out and bought like $2,000 worth of flowers. I said, pick the you know, most amazing dream bouquet that you can get and, and I'll make it happen for you. And we did, we bought flowers for the wedding and, and for the table. I love that. I'm actually involved in an organization called Wish Upon a Wedding, which I, my background for years, I was an event and wedding planner and um, they grant wedding wishes to people with terminal illness, not just cancer, but yeah, for, for grown up. So I love that you did that. Yeah. It's kind of, it was such a great opportunity. And you know, what's funny is like, I find myself, like I was talking to one of the social workers and I said, so cool how I get these opportunities. Like they, these opportunities are presented to me and I just, I'm so excited and so honored to be able to do something like that's my life. Like that's my job is helping yeah. 
people and making cool stuff happen. Like how amazing, how great is that? You know, pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, it's sad and there's heartbreaking. It's tough. You know, a, a large part of my job is, is, is helping people. And it's, it's, and people usually, you know, when I, when I show up, they usually feel good because yeah. I'm not a doctor. I'm not sticking them. I'm not poking them. Right. Yeah. It's an amazing life. But to answer your question, so obviously we always need financial support. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities if you go to stillbrave.org to donate. On our donate tab, we have a variety of different programs that, and, and, and ways to donate. Um, if you're in the D.C. metro area, we always are putting on fundraisers and um, and things like that. The race that I have coming up is, is a national fundraiser. We do it annually. It's a 200-mile race that I'm going to be running up Mount St. Helens Volcano this coming August. And I'm bringing a childhood cancer survivor with me uh, who's going to run the race with me. And I'm also wow. bringing, listen to this, I'm also bringing the nurse who treated not only my daughter, but Lauren, the childhood cancer survivor. Oh that my gosh. And um, we're dedicating each of the 200, it's actually 206 miles. We're dedicating each of the 206 miles to a different child who's either fighting cancer or has lost their battle to cancer. And what I do is I carry pictures of these children with oh. me. And so every 20 miles, I'll stop. And I'll pull their pictures out and I'll read their names out loud. And what I do is I tell the parents, I said, no matter what, as long as I'm alive, I'm not going to let your child be forgotten. Oh. And, uh, and I really, in some cases, we, you know, we rejuvenate a, a family whose child has passed away. Even if the outcome has been very positive, we then are able to honor that child at that mile. And so we dedicate each of the miles to a different child who's either fighting cancer is in remission or has lost their battle. And then we ask pay people to donate to each one of those miles. So when the race gets going, the website will be up and, and, and probably after the first of the year, you can go and you can read the stories and the bios of all these children and you can donate a dollar, you can donate $5, you can donate, uh, you know, $100, $1,000, whatever you want, <laughs> you know, $5 million, yeah, bring right? it off. whatever you want to these children. But it's a way to, uh, to keep their memory alive. It's a way to raise awareness. It's a way, you know, to read the stories, to, to get plugged in. That, that make you feel good about what you're doing. And, um, and obviously we have a, a ton of volunteer opportunities here. We run, there's a, a large hospital in Northern Virginia called I Know the Children's Hospital. And my, uh, my foundation funds the Adolescent Young Adult Program. And wow. what, that, what we do is we, we, we give them a great deal of money every year to, to hire somebody to, to help facilitate age-appropriate activities for the older kids. Because the younger kids will always get like build a bear comes in and builds work you know build a sure. bear yeah. uh, the princesses show up the cheesy musicians so I, although I like the <laughs> musicians, people, uh, but, so, but if you're 16 17 years old the last thing you want to do is build See another bear yep, yeah yep. You're over the princesses so we put on our age appropriate activities and uh, so we're always like the concert that we're putting on funds that program so we have volunteer opportunities that present themselves too we have parties at the chemotherapy clinic all the time. We do luncheons and different activities. And sometimes we need volunteers for that. So there's hands-on volunteer opportunities. There's donating opportunities. We have several committees that you could join our all-star sibling committee. A lot of things that can be done locally, of course, but there's also things that can be done uh, on a national level if you have access to, uh, to, to the internet or something like that. So yeah. there's a ton of opportunities. I'm very approachable. My email address is tom.mitchell at stillbrave.org. I personally answer every email that comes to me. You know, I, I, I'm very approachable, very reachable. If you want to help, I'll find a way for you to help for sure. That is awesome. Well, I want to help. So we can talk about that after we hang up, but I'm into it. I love, I just, I love the energy and the, I, 
the idea that you can go in and make life more enjoyable for these kids and their family when it is just not a pleasant time and then beyond, right? If, if to stay in touch with family, I just, your, your commitment is astounding the way you honor your daughter. Certainly, certainly her life has changed the lives of so many people through you, which is such a gift, which is beautiful. I would love to know then, given that there are some really difficult, hard things that you do, you, you, you said you hold children's hand when they're dying. And I, I so respect the ability to do that. That takes a special person to sit there and not have that crush you completely that you can get up and do it again and help the next child. But also there have to be some wonderful things. So how do you celebrate the wins, the successes, uh, the, the smiles and the funds raised and given, and how do you stop and give them honor and celebrate? So as long as childhood cancer is, is prevalent in this country, and as long as children are, are suffering through these 30, 40, 50-year-old treatment protocols, and as long as we're losing the equivalent of five entire elementary schools to children annually to childhood cancer, I'm not celebrating oh. shit. Okay? I'm not celebrating a damn thing. All right? I do feel good when a child smiles at me. It does touch my heart. It does make me feel good. I will sit back and, and, and shed a tear of joy but I'm not celebrating, not celebrating anything until childhood cancer has been eradicated until it becomes a chronic illness, much the way HIV has, has become until this country, uh, I mean, I could throw numbers and statistics at you that would mortify you, but Americans spend 20 times more money annually on potato chips than we do on childhood cancer research. We spend the same amount of money annually on pet on Halloween costumes for our pets. (laughs) That's a true sorry. story. That's I'm not a, supposed to laugh at that it's because it's tr- such a serious thing that you're saying. Right, you're but right. it's, it's a mortifying statistic, right? It's, but this is the you know this is where we live. So I un- understand your question, and I don't want to sound aggressive and belligerent when I answer it, but I don't celebrate shit because children are still dying, yeah. and and there's nothing to celebrate because it, even when children survive uh, a childhood cancer, there many of them are plagued. Most of them are plagued with chronic illness, chronic issues. Sometimes they get secondary cancers. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that, that the general public isn't aware of. And we're, we're legitimately using 30, 40, in some cases, 50-year-old chemotherapy treatments on our children. And chemotherapy, I don't know if you know this or not, um, was originally derived from mustard gas, a chemical warfare. I, I do know it's a, d- a deadly poison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so essentially what we're doing is we're, 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 euphemistically calling this poison medicine, but we're, we're, uh, it's like treating our children with leeches. And until we, until this country, this world wakes up and, 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 and puts the time and the money and the effort into, uh, to finding better, less toxic, more, um, um, more accountable treatments then I'm really not interested in celebrating, uh, too, too much. Well, I I can hear that. And I can, I can honor that. Um, but I hope that what I actually heard you say is that you sort of your self-care to me sounds a little bit like a personal celebration of being able to stay in this work. Yeah, um, it's it's really hard work, you know, and the reason that I stay in it, even when it gets really, really heavy, is because I'm built for it. Because not everybody can, like you said, not everybody can go and hold a child's hand 
one time, you know, and I've done it countless times. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, sometimes depending on the diagnosis, I know what the outcome is going to be, you know, and I go in anyway yeah. and I do it over and over and over and over again because I'm built for it. And there, there are times when something amazing happens, like we'll get a large grant or, yes, you know, something really cool will happen. I will, it, it's, it's not even that it, it just, something washes over me and I have a, a moment where I, where I'm with my daughter again. Oh, and that's, that's maybe the celebration. That's your celebration. That's a beautiful conclusion to that question. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right. So other than stillbrave.org, which I am just, all of my listeners need to go support, do it for me, do it for Tom and Shayla and all of these kids and their families, because this is incredible work. Other than that, and stillbrave.org will be our, our charity of the week when the show airs. But what other charitable organization would you say is your favorite to support? So I guess, I mean, I'm going to, to say Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah. Because I've, I see what they do and, uh, and I see the, the, the profound and amazing impact that these trips have for these children and their families. Not just children with cancer, but Make-A-Wish, you know, serves a, a, a vast uh, array of diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of, of a lot of other uh, charitable organizations as well. And, and, and I advocate in a lot of different other areas outside of the childhood cancer realm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't want to, I just not good. I don't want to turn this into a political conversation. No, no, I, we were, I'm pretty sure we yeah. fight the same fight. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, <laughs> I definitely am, am about, uh, equality and, and across the board and a lot of other things too. But, um, but you know, the short answer is, uh, the, the, the quick answer would be the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Awesome. Outside of Still Brave. I, obviously I want you to give all your money to Still Brave. We your, your charity dollars to Still Brave, but I do yeah. believe in the Make-A-Wish Foundation and I, I work closely with a lot of them and, and they're wonderful people. And they, you know, they made my daughter, you know, her dream was to swim with the dolphins and, uh, you know, a couple of months before she passed away, they made that dream happen for her to send us to Hawaii so she could swim with the dolphins. And I don't think I've ever seen her as happy as, as she was that day. Um, and it, I love it, that. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Tom, will you share your three words with us one last time? Sure. My three words are empathy, brave, and authentic. Yeah. Those, those words, they fit. They work really beautifully. For you, sometimes I ask that question, and then we get to sort of dig in as to why. But um, I think we covered that, right? (laughs) We covered that. (laughs) Yeah, this um, has been really a lovely way to spend uh, forty-five minutes. I am so grateful for your sharing your story, but the gifts—the gifts of your daughter and the inspiration um, that she has instilled in you and what you're doing, what you're out there reminding us all. uh, I love your. I love your honesty with what you thought brave was and what you now believe brave to be, because that's very in line with what, what I believe and why I do this show. We are all still scared about whatever it is all the time. We just do it anyway. Yep. Uh, I would, would like to, to share one last thing with you if I could. Yes, please. You know, before my daughter passed away a couple of days before she passed away, I came home from a short trip to the pharmacy and I found her, she had tried to get up and use the bathroom and she had fallen in the bathroom and she couldn't get up and she was tangled in her oxygen lines and 
you know, she had an accident. Oh my God. I found her that way and she was crying and I picked her up and I cleaned her up and I washed her. And and it was an embarrassing time for both of us. I mean, she was a a teenager. It was a tough time. And for this to to happen to her was difficult. And I carried her into the bed and I laid her down and and she looked at me and she said, I'm still brave. Right, dad? Still brave, right? Wow. And it dawned on me at that moment, you know, all those talks we've been having about staying brave and all of that, this whole time, Heather, she hadn't been staying brave for herself. Nah, man, she didn't stay brave for me. Yeah. That's still brave. And you had been staying brave for her. Yeah. And that's still brave. That's, That's what my foundation is. Yeah. Well, usually I say some things at the end of the show, and I'm going to not, because that's still brave. Uh, Tom, thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for being here. I sign off every show by saying, this is Heather Vicker reminding you to choose bravely. So just stay brave. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. All right. The Brave Files is proudly supported by Lost Format Apparel, a socially conscious clothing company. You already know that homelessness is a huge problem. Over half a million Americans are living without shelter and millions more without consistent access to everyday basics. My friends at Lost Format know that solving homelessness is a much larger problem than any one company or person can solve on their own. It requires teamwork, sacrifice, strength, and building communities through personal and professional relationships. And isn't that exactly what the Brave Files podcast is all about? That's why I'm proud to say that the Brave Files has partnered with Lost Format. And together, we're working to change the face of consumerism in addressing homelessness. You can now get one of two fantastic shirts custom designed specifically for the Brave Files. Each order goes towards providing necessities to the homeless. We have one shirt that, of course, says choose bravely and another that reminds you that brave is always greater than fearless. Head on over to vickeryandco.com store to see both beautiful shirts and to check out the entire product line from Lost Format. All of their stuff is super soft and comfortable and has an amazing fit. Use promo code BRAVE to get 10% off of your Brave Files custom t-shirts. And if you have an order over $30, your shipping is free. I choose bravely to take the plunge to help solve homelessness. Are you with me? Thank you for listening to The Brave Files. Be sure to visit thebravefilespodcast.com to access the show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. Music composed and produced by Matt Lewis of Union Music, LLC. Special thanks to our editor and audio mix expert, Andrew Olson. I am eternally grateful for all that he does to make each week sound so fantastic. You can hear more of Andrew's work at findandrewolson.com.